Good, ev- good evening, everybody, and welcome to Hawks Insiders, our Thursday night safe space. The final one of the home and away season for the Hawks. The finish line, I think, thankfully, is in sight as uh, the Hawks prepare for their season closing game against the Bulldogs in Launceston on Sunday afternoon. My name is Ashley Brown, and it's great to be talking to you once again on this very rainy, at least where I am, very rainy Melbourne evening. Uh, good night to be indoors, uh, rugged up, safe and warm, talking about the Hawks. Uh, joining me, as they often do, is uh, uh, my co-host. We're down one soldier tonight, no, Darren Levine. He is... Uh, Probably at some nightclub opening somewhere, but I do have Andrew Weiss. Hello, Andrew. Good evening, Ash. Good evening, everybody. And yeah, the excitement of off season is just around the corner. It's just starting to a few little snippets, bits and pieces here that obviously we'll cover uh, to what is always an exciting time for Hawks fans. And Brad Klebanski. Hello, Brad. Hello all, great to be here. The season's finally come to an end. It's been a good season, but we look forward to our grand final this year, trade period. Who do you get upset about when Hawthorne's not playing? Uh, Carlton. You know I love the Blues. <laughs> well, you know, all being well, you won't be worried about them after this week either. Uh, Danny yeah. Prince, hello. Evening, Ash. Uh, how are you? I am very, very well looking forward to... Well, to be honest, I'm looking forward to the end of the season. I think enough of these meandering, meaningless games for the Hawks. I'd rather the season finish up now. And uh, the priority of Hawthorne seems to be getting on my back for pre-season training, uh, Danny. So maybe I'm looking forward to the skin folds in November more than I'm looking forward to the game on Sunday against the Bulldogs. Um, usual deal here with Hawks Insiders on the safe space. Uh, there are four of us, but we'd like it to be as wide-ranging a conversation as possible. So if a few got something you'd like to add, you've got a question for myself or the real experts being uh, Andrew, Brad and Danny, please uh, request to speak. We'll get you on and make it a, a well-rounded chat. We will start with the game against Richmond at the MCG last week. It wasn't a particularly... Memorable afternoon for the Hawks. It was Richmond, 20 goals, 8, 128, defeating Hawthorne, 9-13-67. A game that when I looked up at the scoreboard at about the four-minute mark, Andrew, and it said that Richmond had had 10 inside 50s to a fat, lazy zero by Hawthorne. I knew that uh, it was going to be a long couple of hours at the football. Yeah, I mean, I think deep down inside, we all knew it was going to be a pretty tough game. And uh, I think from very, very early on, exactly as you said, we all knew that was going to be the case. And uh, I think same sort of feeling heading into the Bulldogs this week as heading into Richmond last week. You know, we talked before the last the last match against Richmond about how happy and how excited we've been with everything that's happened this season and winning eight games and, you know, sending so many people to uh, to, to ice up for the season and uh, try a few different things from a game plan point of view. I think we're all pretty much of the same understanding that, that they're two fairly meaningless games of footy and so whilst it's always disappointing getting absolutely smashed, I think it's sort of taken taken very much with with a grain of salt for for what it was and happy just to to move on and really I guess not dwell too much on what was a a pretty rubbish day of viewing. Uh, Danny you've drawn the uh, short straw for the good Uh, what did you like about Sunday? Half the final siren. Yeah it is the short straw this week and uh, like like Weezy said it, it you know you it's really hard in these last couple of weeks when you know you're not playing finals, you know that, you know, nothing you do really has any sort of impact on the, on the end of the year. We, we put like two guys to pasture midweek every week for the last three weeks. So we've got a third of our list unavailable. I mean, credit to the Tigers. They came out in the first and again in the third quarter and absolutely put their foot to our throats. Um, they ran hard off half back and they, 
they really made us work for everything. And like you said, the first five five minutes were such an indication of what was to come, and it was a bit scary to be honest. But there were still some shining lights, and I think you know we need to look at it from a future perspective. And I've been really big on that all year, understanding that this is a journey and we're just at the start of it. Um, so from from a positive point of view, I think. You know, the way that, uh, again, week in, week out, John Newcomb has led our midfield, um, especially when a lot of his mates uh, got absolutely uh, flogged on, on the weekend. He stood up again, as he does, and just is an absolute workhorse. And to think that this young man's only just turned 21 um, is just a phenomenal effort, you know, the way he was able to really go toe-to-toe with the Richmond midfield when everybody else got beaten. Um, I thought, although it was a bit interesting, um, James Sicily playing a little bit further up the ground did have some positive results. Um, I don't think it's... A little bit see. further up. He was in the guts for most <laughs> yeah, of well, that's, <laughs> that's was, a lot further just, up. I was playing it, playing it down a little bit. But yeah, you're right. Um, playing in the midfield and actually coming into a couple of centre bounces. And I think having a look and having the ability to have those looks at this time of the year is one of the positives. And look, Sicily, again, another another week, another um, a good performance and he should have cemented his spot in the uh, in the All-Australian 22. Um, he's led from the front and uh, and probably is our next, our captain in waiting. Um, I thought that uh, uh, the outgoing skipper was very good and battled very hard. Um and, you know, he definitely wasn't disgraced. And Nane Curvis is a, is a very good ruckman um, and seems to have his way with us a few uh, quite often. Um, and McAvoy at least broke even, I thought, in that contest. So that was good. And then there was just small snippets, a bit of Dylan Moore um, in the midfield in the second half. Um, yeah, and, and just bits and pieces like that. I thought it was uh, another great game by Finn McGuinness and the, the work that he's doing in the back half of this season um, anybody that reads my Box Hill pieces, um, I was calling for him to be uh, promoted week in, week out. He was clearly too good at VFL level and he's proving that, you know, with time and a bit of patience and some structure in your role, uh, young players can really, um, you know, uh, adjust to uh, the demands of AFL footy and he's doing a phenomenal job as a tagger. Probably one of the premier taggers along with Marcus Windhager um, in, in the AFL at the moment. I think that's a huge feather in his cap. Um, yeah, and then I think maybe just uh, it's a reverse negative rather than a positive, but good exposure for guys like James Blank and Denver granger Barras to be able to play on a forward in the form that Tom Lynch was in on Saturday and just be exposed to that because the result didn't matter. So it's, uh, it's good that they can get that exposure in a, in a meaningless game, but get the understanding of what it's going to take to stop a key forward when he's uh, up and about like Lynch was on the weekend. So that's Sam, a- yeah, Sam Mitchell was actually a bit bull- more bullish about Denver's game than the supporters were. And I think I actually have reasonable confidence that uh, our questions for Sam piece was actually picked up by the journal who was there. Um, and asked about DGB and uh, Sam did break his game down a little bit and sort of give a couple of figures that suggest he didn't get quite the hiding that uh, some would have thought, especially the guy I'm about to speak to, uh, introduced being Brad. Uh, What else apart from uh, Denver Granger Barris, who I'm sure you thought played a bad game even though the coach defended him, what else did not take your fancy on Sunday? How long do we have, Ash? Uh, keep it very brief. The midfield, terrible, except for Jai. The back line copped a hiding, but in fairness to the back line, it all starts in the midfield, which has been a big problem for this uh, season. I get what Sam was trying to do. We only saw Cisco back in the last quarter. Tom Lynch had eight goals up until three-quarter time. He didn't kick a goal in the last quarter when coincidentally Sis went back and played on him. Uh, yeah, back line was just really, really poor all day. The forward line really struggled. Uh, Bruce and Gunston kicked two goals, but junk time. Those two who have been really good uh, this year were incredibly quiet, and it's happened, unfortunately, a few times this season where those two seem to play poor games at the same time, which is quite disappointing. Uh, we did have a lot of guys uh, 
out, as Prinzi said, the last few weeks we've lost two guys per week uh, to season-ending uh, injuries. So, look, round 22, nothing really out to play for. Overall, it's been a successful season. It was a poor game. I agree with uh, Ash. Unfortunately, I think Sunday is going to be another disappointing game. Hopefully, we see either Ned Long or uh, Mighty Mouse Saunders uh, get a debut. I don't think it'll happen. I think Daniel Howell will play his last game for us. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was a disappointing game. Other than maybe uh, Jai, Finn, uh, I thought Jekka's game on Jack uh, Rewalt was really good. And uh, Josh Ward had an okay game. There weren't too many other positives. Is it a positive? So, Richard, in the last quarter, were uh, definitely trying to get Lynch to 10 goals and they didn't get one when they were really looking for a bit of every opportunity. So, well, that's, yeah, that's what yeah. I said. Sis like, uh, locked him down in the last quarter. He didn't get much of the ball. I think he probably only had two or three touches in the last quarter. Sis, after having a lot of cheap ball during uh, the game, but uh, defensively, he was really, really strong. And as uh, Prinzi said, uh, he probably wouldn't have uh, got any votes, but hopefully his last quarter on Lynch, you know, uh, locks him in at least for the All-Australian 40. He, he deserves to be in the 22, but it's not often where a player in the bottom four or five sides make the final cut. So that's going to be an interesting watch. Well, you see, were the Tigers trolling when they uh, when they made, uh, the sort of honoured Josh Caddy before the game, the guy who seemed to make a living out of hurting Hawthorne players? <laughs> Yeah. Ash, I thought in our pre-production meeting we talked about never mentioning Josh Caddy <laughs> on air ever again. Um, so you've taken me a bit by surprise there. But, um, yeah, look, certainly not a Hawthorne fan favourite. We all know well, he's why. Actually cousin of, he's a cousin of Hawthorne player. Who, which Hawthorne player? One of the new guys is actually cousin of Josh Caddy. I'm not sure which one it is. It might be Connor McDonald, but correct me if I'm wrong. If someone knows, please. Point out to us, but somebody um, he's actually related to Hawthorne players, which makes it even worse that he likes to hurt Hawthorne players for, for hobby. Uh, fan experience was all Richmond home games, so there was a 60,000 people there, which is a pretty handy crowd for 110 on a Sunday. I mean, it was quite uh, quite extraordinary how people just kept rolling in and rolling in and rolling in. So, mainly Richmond supporters, but there were a smattering of brown and gold. It was hard to tell them apart at Hawthorne Richmond. Our last game in uh, Melbourne for the year. Yeah, and it was a replacement game. So uh, that was a bit of uh, – not a lot for Hawthorne supporters. It didn't make a lot of noise. But, uh, not a lot to get excited about. What I did notice with uh, one of the Richmond players, I think Lambert was interviewed before the game, and uh, they're on good terms with the Souls of Tigers, and perhaps understandably so. But there was some messaging at one stage about, well, we all know what happens when the finals come and how, how good we become, which is sort of the stuff that you never heard out of Hawthorne around that time of year, would you agree? Hawthorne always sort of played it down a bit. Yeah, well, we went into so many final series through that time as the underdogs. But, I mean, as we were dropping off, I think there was a, there was a level of... Um, oh, we were pretty uppity about our chances, you know, even post the three-peat. Uh, I mean... Look, obviously we want to talk about Hawthorne as opposed to Richmond, but the fact that they've got so many kids in the team and are doing well, I think is is ominous from a Tigers point of view. But again, it was good to, to match up against them uh, and see, you know, for some of the kids, what it actually is going to take to, to get to a point where we're playing finals. All right, let's quickly get the votes, everybody. Uh, Weezy, the mic is yours. Uh, well, I gave three votes to Finn. Uh, I thought he was absolutely outstanding once again. Uh, two votes to John Newcomb and Raffle for the last vote. Uh, I thought James Sicily actually performed pretty well in general. Uh, Brad? Yeah, same as the first two. Uh, three to Finn, Shea Bolton. 13 touches, zero marks, kicked a brilliant goal. That was just uh, too good. But that was the first game Shea Bolton's been comprehensively beaten in a long time. He's probably in the top five best players in the AFL at the moment. So another huge game from Finn. Two to Jai, 29 touches, our best uh, midfielder for the day. 
uh, and I gave one vote to Ajeka. I thought his game on Jack uh, Rewald. I know Rewald pushed him up uh, the ground a little bit, so they could uh, free up Tom uh, Lynch in the forward line. But I thought Jacka's first half in particular was really strong. Tom Mitchell had 32 touches and was okay, um, but yeah, I thought Jacka deserved. All right, a vote. and with that, we put that game to bed. Uh, oh, sorry, Danny. Sorry. No, that's a nothing to report here anyway, Ash. I was just going to go exactly with uh, with Weesey, the 3 to one exactly how Weesey uh, said it. So you just pre that. All right, let's talk about, uh, while you, you're there, Danny, the, the VFL box hill seemed to be indicating why they were celebrating after the game last week, that they'd made the finals. Um, give us an update on what happened last week and what this weekend's game against Sydney means. Yeah, they've all but locked in their final spot, I think. I think the only way... I think there is some sort of mechanics that can see them miss out, but um, I'm pretty sure they're playing finals. And uh, I think it's a good result, uh, especially considering how many Hawthorne-listed players aren't available to play at any level, which means um, as we get deeper and deeper into the VFL season, we're seeing more and more uh, VFL-listed Hawks playing and, and playing well. And... And if we're being completely honest, it's the VFL Hawks that have that have carried Box Hill in the second half of the season. So um, they had a really good 43-point win against Geelong's VFL side. And as uh, as Hawthorne supporters, regardless of the level, it's always nice to beat Geelong. Um, and they did it relatively comfortably on the back of uh, a really good performance, another really good performance uh, from uh, Jack Saunders. Um and yeah, he he worked he worked his way into the game and um, has played some really good footy of late. And uh, I wonder, I actually disagree with Brad. I don't think Dan Howe will play. I think they'll, I think they'll give uh, Jack Saunders a round twenty two day or round twenty three debut, whatever it is this round uh, at AFL level, probably before they let him go at the end of the year, um, just to give him an exposure to AFL. And and if they do, he's really deserved it. He's Last month or six weeks has been really, really solid. Um, so he was really good. Um, we saw uh, another solid game by Max Lynch, and I can't quite work out why he's not in the in the Hawthorne team if he's fit enough to play VFL, unless there's some sort of arrangement with Box Hill to play him there, to get him majority of game time in the ruck because it's better for him long term. I'm not sure. Um Ned Long played off the wing and played pretty well. Um, they've given him a bit, a few different roles this season. He's an inside midfielder by trade, but um, Proctor and, and the development coaches have been playing him off the wing and trying to get him to understand the running patterns, uh, which is really interesting. Um, yeah, and, and the man of the moment, Fergus Green, um, probably every week we talk about Fergus Green, but he's, he's leading the goal-kicking for the VFL um, league-wide and... Um, played his 50th VFL match and kicked another five on the weekend. So he just keeps rolling along and him and um, Cal Porter and Ben Kavara are really, really probably a little bit too good for the VFL um, and probably just not quite good enough for, for the AFL level. So they fit in those, yeah, in that sort of weird um, bracket that Dan Howe fits in and probably Tom Phillips, Phillips fit in as well. So yeah, it was a good win and, uh, they come up against uh, Sydney's reserves this this Saturday. Daz and I will be there, uh, which will be really good fun. To it's probably uh, more enjoyable and looking forward to that a, a fair bit more because there's actually something to play for than uh, than the Hawks game on Sunday. So um, yeah, hopefully we can get a win there. And I think if we win that one, we can cement a top four spot, which just shows you how tight it is from about third to ninth or tenth. It's very it's within four points. So um, it should be a really cracking final series in the VFL. Yes, and uh, Sam Mitchell certainly said there's a lot going on at the club, including the VFL finals, and I think the players who are eligible, we don't have a complete list of who's eligible for Box Hill. They change the numbers around every year, but I think there'll be sort of seven or eight Hawthorne-listed players who uh, will be eligible to play for Box Hill. And a couple of senior players, Liam Shields, hopefully, Max Lynch, Dan Howe, uh, uh, would be among pop maybe even Sam Butler as well, uh, one or two others. Oh, Hardigan. Hardigan, of course. And I have a fairly competitive team with a sprinkling of experienced players and, and AFL listed players I can take into those finals. So they will be worth watching, given that the AFLW also starts next weekend. It'll be a good few weeks for Hawthorne. There's some active football to look forward to. 
news from the Hawks. We'll start with the um, AFLW, and then we'll get back to the men's. Is that they uh, they played the MCG practice match uh, against Richmond. They lost by about forty or so points. Kicked one goal. That I think coming in the third quarter or the last quarter. But uh, they looked good in patches. But I think the, the takeaway was uh, talking to a couple of people who watched the, the entire game that. They're an expansion team, and we probably do need to temper our expectations a little bit. But uh, they uh, are certainly better for the run. Essendon, I think, uh, had a good win on the weekend. Essendon might beat Hawthorne in that first game. I suspect also they're coming off a VFL premiership. But the game is sold out uh, at Port Melbourne, which means it's been moved to Marvel Stadium, moved to Marvel Works. So I saw it's already had on Channel 7. I saw a promotion for televising the game uh, on Saturday week, the Saturday night standalone game. Very exciting news, Brad, that uh, the game is going to be has been moved to Marvel. Excellent uh, news, and I reckon I'll get. Uh, what would what do you reckon a good uh, crowd is for the game? Twenty thousand. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure they'll get. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think that maybe they get. I reckon it'll be. So I reckon it's going to be a surprise. We so. saw obviously that game. Uh, Icon Park a few years ago when Gill had to go outside when they had to uh, lock uh, the gates. But I reckon the Bombers fans will come out and I reckon the Hawks fans will come out and I reckon there'll be a real big push for, you know, there's uh, the buy um, at the end of round 23 next, you know, at the end of this uh, week. So I reckon it'll be surprising. I reckon there'll be over 15,000. So, so, Danny, you reckon there's What's different the strategies for the two teams? Yeah, they've been they've gone about it really differently. If you have a look at how many high end draft picks the Hawks had, um, they really prioritised getting in the, the the quality youngsters like Jazz Fleming and Charlotte Baskaran and Mackenzie uh, yeah, Erdley and and players like that. They've gone young and then supplemented it with you know solid to good but not elite um, AFLW players and. Um, you know, the Bombers picked up some huge names. Um, I think they raided Carlton for two or three of their best players. Um, they, they, I know that, you know, they really picked up big names in the competition and they only had a sprinkling of draft picks in the top sort of 20 picks. So, whereas the Hawks had, I think, six. So, it's very different list strategies. It looks like Essendon want to come in and compete straight away where it looks like the Hawks are looking to build it long-term and have a sustainable... Um, you know, successful period, which, I mean, in the AFLW, there's no right or wrong way, is there? It's, it hasn't been proven that there's a successful strategy over another. So it'll be interesting to watch how it plays out. Um, yeah, so that game, I think, 7 o'clock on Saturday week. Uh, I didn't mention at the start that uh, we're doing a spaces next week. We'll probably have a week off after that, but we will have a, an extensive preview of that game on next week's spaces. Back to the men's program for a little bit, gentlemen. And very interesting to note that uh, the mantra of Hawthorne for a very long time has been not to worry about awards. John Kennedy famously was disdainful of the uh, of the um, Brownlow medal. Uh, David Parkin was absolutely delighted when Lee Matthews, before one of the grand finals that he played in, got something like four votes because that would make him more fired up for the grand final. Yet here we had during the week Sam Mitchell actively lobbying for one of Connor McDonald or Finn McGuinness to get a Rising Star nomination before the end of the season. Didn't help McDonald last week by leaving on as the medical sub and not getting on the ground. Um, this is a very a different turn of events for Hawthorne. Do we just have a bit of fun with it or do you think it represents, we see a fundamental change in the thinking at the footy club? I think it's a fundamental change in the thinking of journos because once again, Ash, I think you alluded to it earlier. Uh, would this have even come up at the press conference if it wasn't for uh, the Hawks insiders presenting that the question around Finn uh, and whether or not he uh, was anywhere near the award, you know, raising that, obviously bringing it to people's attention uh, whether or not it would have slipped under the radar otherwise. I mean, there's been quite a few press conferences over the last five or six weeks, very different. And Ash, you've, you've actually been at a lot of them, so you can probably comment more. But 
certainly for the recaps, I've watched a lot of the press conferences post-match and from the start of the year where it's entirely about the process and the journey that we're on and everything team-related, slowly as the year's gone on, at, at most presses there's been one or two people that he has actually gone on to, to talk in detail about. Have, have you found that? Yeah, a little bit. I think he's, he's certainly more forthcoming about players and players' roles than, than Alistair Clarkson ever was. Um, Clarkson did, never had the same three or four talking points for basically for the whole year. And he just would keep rehashing it post-match and during the week. Uh, Sam is certainly more expansive, um, that's for sure. And you can sort of tell from Sam's mood. I mean, you could tell he was bitterly disappointed with last week that it wasn't an acceptable performance, even though, you know, there was so much in experimental mode for next season. Um, but, yeah, there was the the uh, Facebook or the uh, Twitter campaign, whatever it was, the social media post outlining um, the stats of Finn's direct opponents uh, over the court and some of his biggest scalps over the course of the season. It's a really interesting approach from Hawthorne to it. I mean, I think the supporters would be quite happy with it because, uh, you know, other clubs are quite uh, come out occasionally and just shout from the rooftops and talk themselves up and, traditionally not the Hawthorne way, but I didn't certainly see anything wrong with it. No, definitely not. And I reckon Finn probably deserved it uh, last week. Uh, Winhage has been really, really strong, uh, really, really good. I just think he gets a little bit more of the ball than uh, Finn at the moment. But Finn's done a lot of massive jobs and he hasn't been beaten uh, yet. And... If he can hold, he'll probably get Libby this week. He might get Bond, but if Bond plays a bit more forward, um, I think he's playing sore at the moment. So I reckon Finn will get uh, Libby. If he can stop uh, Libby this week, he'll probably get it. Connor McDonald, I think, had a better year than his stats would probably show. He doesn't get a heap of it, but when he gets it, he's been really classy. He's had a few games where he's obviously kicked goals. Uh, he probably would need to kick three goals to get it because he doesn't get enough of the ball. Um, so I reckon if Finn can hold uh, Libba uh, this week, I reckon he'll probably get it. I would have thought Finn would go to Bailey Smith. That's something we can talk about. That's what I want to say. Bailey Smith doesn't use the ball well, so you're happy to, for him to get 30-plus because he's a bit of a butcher. Libba absolutely destroyed us when we played them at uh, Marvel. And I reckon he's been their best mid this uh, year. So it's going to be an interesting one because it might be a similar role as he had on Toke when Finn played against the Suns. He played, you know, that role against Toke. I think it'll be the same this week. Okay. Well, I reckon it. I reckon whilst, I mean, clearly Bailey Smith, I think, is, is the one he'll go to. I reckon he should just go to Bont. I mean, Bont's not in the greatest form and he's, potentially carrying something but again from an exposure point of view just put Finn on one of the best players in the game and let him go with him for the for the match and just you know watch his running patterns and how hard Bond works and I reckon that would be great from a, not trying to win the game but an experience for Finn tagging one of the best in the game. Um, Hawthorne is engaged with former players and staff as part of an external probe into its Indigenous past. I'm actually reading from uh, Lauren Wood's article in the Herald Sun. The Hawks embarked on the lengthy process, which remains ongoing, following serious allegations of racism earlier this year. Surioli, uh, detailed allegations, we knew that. And an external party is overseeing the consultations, which have included ex-Hawks players who can opt to remain anonymous if they wish Current Hawthorne players will also offer the opportunity to be part of the conversation should they decide. Um, the club said it was uh, continued to consult with a range of stakeholders, including the AFL, to build a stronger future. Justin Rees, the CEO, said the process remained ongoing. Danny, uh, what do you know of this? Can you just walk us through what you think this is about and what it means? It's a, it's a bit of a nothing update, to be honest, Ash. It's... Um... We were sort of informed of the um, investigation into the, the serial situation and the things that happened around that time. And this is basically just saying it's still going and they've contracted it out to a First Nations organisation that's familiar with that sort of space and they're working through it. Um, they're, they're speaking to former players and staff members. Uh, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's still going, basically. So... Um, 
you know, obviously they haven't wrapped it up, but there's really no new news in that. It's just that the process is still in train and, and, and look, hopefully, hopefully the club um, learns some serious lessons from the Cyril situation and um, some of the shortcomings or the failings that they had in and around his time at the club, because, um, you know, we know Kenneth's moving on at the end of the year and um, that will help Cyril um, in terms of mending some bridges with the club. And I think the club is in fantastic hands when it comes to um, having Sam Mitchell as a head coach, because he has a real desire to build that relationship and ensure that that relationship is strong. Um, so it's just going to be a time factor and, and making sure they work through the process properly. So um, well done to the Hawks for doing it, but they said they were going to do it a long time ago. They're just still doing it, I guess, um, doing their due diligence on it. Which Certainly. Is Can I add to I was just going to say, adding to that, um, I don't think it's just around the Indigenous stuff and the Cyril Rioli stuff. We saw during the week the um, dads down at training. We've seen the past legends down at training. I think it's all part of the Sam Mitchell era and environment that they're they're building at the footy club that's so excited and, and clearly getting back to, you know, the, the original discussion point, the reparation of everything in terms of the relationship with Cyril will form a massive part of that um, as he looks to really t- take the culture of the place to the next level. Uh, yeah, that, it certainly seems that they're taking it very seriously. I think uh, outsourcing it to experts to help can't be a bad thing. So well done to the Hawks and we look forward to more progress in this space, and I guess the end game in this, uh, in, with all of this would be hopefully that uh, Sorioli and the club uh, formally patch up the differences. Hopefully that might be a project that continues through the off-season. We're going to turn our attention now to a couple of player-related matters. Um, we're going to focus on list management probably ongoingly now for the next few weeks, given that's going to be the main focus. As Brad says, the season properly start to Hawthorne's grand final or Hawthorne's final series is about to start. Um, the first item on the agenda is Cal Toomey's story that Luke Bruce is in play, potentially for the trade period. Uh, Bruce has kicked 40 or so goals this year. He has a year left in his contract. Um, and, yes, yeah, so a Cal piece was suggested that Bruce may, well, if, if the right offer came along, uh, there would be some consideration given to him moving on, playing for somewhere else next year. We discussed this in our WhatsApp group. We sent, seemed to think that it, Hawthorne could rightfully command a second-round pick for him, uh, probably at the top end of the second round, probably 20 to 30 rather than 30 to 40. Uh, Andrew, can we expect to see Luke Bruce in the brown and gold next year? Oh, I was just shocked to read about it, Ash. I was just floored. I mean, Luke Bruce in trade talk is something I never thought I'd ever... I mean, please, what we did get to see as a result of it was obviously we know about what happened last year, but actually it's someone, I think it might have been Phil, who's dropped off and was on earlier, posted links to every single Luke Bruce is going trade rumour for the last seven years and there's been literally uh, a bevy of them every single year. So um, right now, a grain of salt, I've got no doubt, uh, will attack the draft and and trade period with the same um, philosophy as last year, which is, you know, everyone can be spoken about and... Any any club is welcome to come and make offers, and Bruce definitely still has two or three good years of footy ahead of him, and he's still kicking forty goals. So mm. it wouldn't surprise me if clubs come for him. Uh, I just think that he'd probably be pretty invested in in the group uh, and and be re-energized by what's happened this year. So I don't actually think. He'll okay, I'll give an account of you to this. Uh, my understanding is that Luke Bruce. Was very open to leaving the club last year. Uh, had a Melbourne-based club come to him was something acceptable. A, a Melbourne club uh, in contention, uh, he would have been out the door uh, pretty quickly. He certainly seems to be 
engaged in in the group this year, but I, I don't think a lot has changed. I think if they, I don't think he, the Giants have had little pill because he didn't want to leave, despite his ties to New South Wales. He actually had no interest at all in moving to Sydney. But I believe that if a Melbourne-based club in finals contention comes knocking on the door, he would be open to a move. I think he'd be one of those ones where, provided it's a good well, deal for Hawthorne as well. Um, but I would say that it is, uh, given that Cal's writing it, uh, he tends not to be a sensationalist, Cal. Um, so I would say where there's smoke, no, there's cod. Which is fine. But so the, the, the question for me then is, last year, literally, that fire sale for Luke Bruce to GWS was moving from 26 or whatever it was that we got Connor McDonald up to 17. That was literally the deal for either him or Chad. And looking back at that now, obviously we're very happy that we landed Connor. He's kicked 40 goals for the year. So again, you know, I wouldn't be interested in trading a Luke Bruce to, uh, it's not like we have to get his salary off the books. It's not like we couldn't use him in the forward line for the next couple of years. So I wouldn't be just for the sake of it saying, yeah, you can go and chase a premiership somewhere else. That's fair enough. We'll trade a third rounder for a second rounder. You know, that that doesn't make sense. If we're getting a decent enough pick for it and then it falls within, you know, the, the strategy from a list management point of view moving forward, then fine. Again, I don't think, you know, having seen what we've seen from Jager, Jack Gunston, Chad Wingard, all of these players that were mooted for going last year and Tom Mitchell, everyone had their don't want this person to go, don't want this person to go. The reality is probably right now, if any of them went, it wouldn't have made a big big deal and we would have had more draft capital. capital. So happy for that to happen this year, but not just to get rid of them for the sake of getting rid of them. um, Mark McKenzie rings you and says, what the hell do I do? What do you tell him? Uh, if he can get us a pick um, in the top 25 or 25 to 30, or if it's like our Luke Bruce and our second round pick for a first and a third, yeah, do it. Because it's more important for us right now to get um, four or so picks in the top 30 again this year than have the last two two years of Luke Bruce's career at Hawthorne. And that is probably brutal and a little bit sort of business of football sort of thing. But um, we got to be looking at not just, you know, what's sort of what feels nice and, um, you know, yeah, sure, Luke Bruce might kick another 30 to 40 goals next year and he'll be beneficial for us on the field, but he's not taking us to our next premiership. So uh, we need to be looking at, um, drafting in the players that are going to be the core of our next premiership side. And that's, uh, that's the, the guys we drafted this year and, uh, and the guys that we're going to draft in the next two drafts. So, yeah, pull the trigger if the price is right. Brad, I've got a question for you on this, but we'll firstly take Ivan. Good evening, Ivan. Uh, good evening. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Danny, spot on. Um, I reckon Sydney might be a player. They've got two first-rounders. You know, push comes to shove. You imagine him up there with... You know, the if if Buddy stays, but Logan McDonald, Isaac Heaney, smaller ground. Uh, I know you wanted to stay in Melbourne, but I don't see any top four contenders coming out of um, here, unfortunately. Um, so Sydney for a first rounder, I definitely uh, do, given the fact that they've got two. Um, but I think we need to be ruthless. This is the year we need to be ruthless. And, um, I, you know, my concern is a bloke like Cozzy, you know, does he have a future at the footy club he seems to be in and out um chops and changes i'll give you a trade scenario danny pick six plus cozzy to north for their first what do you think north wouldn't do that what what how do we get pick one i don't think we can uh, there's an unrealistic value on pick one i mean have a look at um the last couple of years the crows tried to get um horn francis or pick one from the Roos last year, and they were offering uh, their first-round pick last year, which was, what, four, and then their first-round pick this year. 
Now, and, you know, if you if you've got any brain about you, you just take that and you you, you bank the first round picks. And um, it looks like Horn Francis might eventually move back to South Australia anyway. So, but but clubs clubs overvalue pick one uh, way too much, and um, I don't think that there's a absolute standout at pick one that you go, we need to have this guy. He is way, you know, way too good to, to pass up on. So I think you just stick with what you've got and you wait to see what falls in your lap. And then it's about getting, you know, two or three more in the first, you know, 25 to 30 picks and really filling your boots. And what, what we do know about the Hawks and McKenzie and the, um, the recruiting staff is they are really, really good talent identifiers in the mid and back end of the draft. So um, let them go to work. Just give them the picks to do it. That's what I think we need to do. Yes, I, uh, I, I'm open for it. Now, Brad, my question for you is, can they, can, uh, is it absolutely essential that both Gunston and Bruce and Hawthorne next year, can they do that one? Could they possibly do that both? Or would that be a disaster? No, I think that's. I think they need to keep uh, one. I think if either of those are going to go, Jack's going to be other one. I reckon Gunston's value to a team like a Melbourne or a Brisbane is higher than what uh, Bruce's uh, values are going to be. A lot. I reckon both have been really good for us uh, this year, but our forward line lacks experience. And having those two guys there this year, they weren't there. Jack wasn't there for the last two years before this year due to his back injury. But their leadership is crucial, and we've really only got at the moment Lewis Butler will play more next year. Connor McDonald plays that high half forward role. Chad Wingard will, will be in the side from round one next year. But I don't see him as a leader like I do Gunston and Bruce. I think the quality of Gunston and Bruce That's is That's a big statement, Brad. He's played one in four years at Hawthorne. Uh, Chad Wingard's played one round one game. <laughs> well, he was put on ice, what, four weeks ago? Five yeah, six weeks ago. They get, yeah, they're going to get him cherry ripe, hopefully, to have a huge season under our new fitness guy, where he, next year's probably, he's not going to be traded because we're not going to get anything for him. He's going to be playing round one. Our forward line next year is going to be interesting because... As I've mentioned, I know I've copped a lot from a few of our supporters. Cause he's young, he's not the answer. He's not going to be our second key forward. And we've seen he's been dropped again, and that's on the back of Mitch Lewis not playing uh, the last few weeks. So our forward structure next year, round one, if we lose one of Jack or Bruce, is going to be very interesting because Mitch Lewis is obviously going to be there. Connor McDonald and Butler will probably be there. And hopefully Luke Bruce. I don't think Bruce will go. But there's a few spots there. That second key forward is a position we have to fill. So if Gunston goes, if we can get, as Prinzi said, I don't think we'd get a, a first-round draft pick for Gunston, but I think we no, could no. get a second-round pick I from, think, a, cha- from well, a challenging side, and I reckon I would take that. I reckon Gunston can get a good two-year deal from one of the top sides. One of the things we really need to um, consider with, uh, Bruce and Gunson is that Bruce is contracted. So oh, yeah, and Gunson's trade, out. But Gunson's so we, an unrestricted free yeah, agent. Correct. So if he Gunson wants to go somewhere, yeah, we might just... get a third round pick a la Isaac Smith when he left for the Cats. Yeah. So um, it makes more sense to re sign Gunston and, and try yeah. to trade Bruce. Even if I had my choice, I'd rather keep Bruce than trade Gunston. Yeah, it's a um, tough position. I, I think you just yeah. you got to do what you can in terms of what's going to get you the best return. Um, so. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a tricky situation. It's a good that that's a good point, Prince Dean. Yeah, you're right. Gunson is a uh, yeah, he's a free agent, so he can literally walk for nothing, and he's not the type of player who you know he's not going to get a you know seven hundred thousand dollar per year deal. So that you're right, the compensation will get for him and would probably be a you know late third round pick at best. A few other aspects to the forward line. Doc Mansell's just message to say. Don't forget Brockman as a potential addition to that forward line. And I think the other thing we have to think about is, you know, we've, we've talked about Big Boy and the Ruck um, the ruck situation, but he's always been very valuable as a resting big man in that forward line as well that can take a big mark or crash a big pack. So um, further to your comments, Brad, around 
you know, not having had Mitch Lewis and Cozzy not having been the answer, not having a big boy to rest up in the forward line as well is pretty massive. One other comment came through asking if we're still trying to get rid of Tom Mitchell for nothing. Um, so that's good. I mean, do you know what? The beauty of, like, I think it just shows in 15 minutes of adding it to tonight's space how much we love having these conversations and why even once the season's gone uh, and we're into AFLW discussions from a match point of view, this is going to dominate because we love having these conversations. They do. Uh, Based on our numbers last year, there's great interest in that. We're going to park the question now about... um... We've got, as I said, we've got all this attempt to do list management, so we're going to park more list management decisions. Nothing's going to be announced from a list management point of view as long as Box Hill is playing. So, uh, because some of the players on the fringe are going to be playing for Box Hill in the next few weeks. So, we've got a couple more weeks to contemplate list management decisions, and we've got a whole series of issues we're going to discuss in the next little while for that. I want to move to a former coach of Hawthorne by the name of Alistair Clark. I know we had a Hawks insiders, not the Bombers insiders or the or the Kangas insiders, but I want to uh, pick each of your brains as to which do you think it's going to be one or the other. It's, it's going to be yes or no, it's going to be north. It's probably going to be announced tomorrow, which makes it interesting for Ben Rutten if he finds out tomorrow that he's losing his job as he coach Essen on Saturday night. I want to know uh, each of you whether he's a better fit for Essendon or North Melbourne, starting with you, Brad. Uh, I think uh, Essendon is a better fit for him just because their list suits him better. I think North Melbourne is a five- to seven-year uh, build. I reckon that club is in a world of hurt. They've got some good young uh, talent on their list. But Essendon's team on paper, their best team, is good enough for Clarko to push and challenge, I reckon, in three years' time. It's an interesting one because I think he's going to go to North but I reckon Essendon would be the better job for him. I pray that he doesn't go to Essendon because watching him coach the Bombers will make me very angry and upset because I think he'll do really well with them. Uh, but I think he's played it absolutely beautifully uh, the last uh, few weeks uh, and he's going to get a payday wherever he goes. But my, uh, yeah, I reckon he'll go to North, but I reckon Essendon is, would be the better team for him. Uh, Danny, we'll pr- frame it like Brad's match uh, committee thing. What should he do and what will he do? Yeah, and I, I probably tend to align my thoughts with uh, with what Brad said. I kind of, you know, I kind of had a feeling when he left that I didn't want to see him coach anywhere else other, after leaving Hawthorne. But I'm coming around to the idea of him coaching North Melbourne just with his playing connections, the bit of nostalgia that's around that. Um, you know, I... I can live with it. Also, uh, with North being so absolutely irrelevant um, and, like Brad mentioned, being going to be so irrelevant for such a long period of time, it's not going to bite us on the, bite us on the backside at all uh, if he goes there. I'd really struggle to see him coaching at Essendon, I think, um, mainly because I actually think he could make them a semi-decent football side. And um, they've been so pathetic for so long since the since the peptide scandal and and I just kind of want that want that to continue because it just makes for good viewing as a Hawthorne supporter so um Clarkson going there um wouldn't make Essendon any more likable from a Hawthorne point of view just probably taints the reputation that Clarkson has within the walls of most Hawthorne homes so um yeah I hope he goes to the north I think he I actually think he'll go to the Bombers because I don't think he really wants to completely rebuild a side and that's what he's going to have to do at North. Um, like Brad said, there's enough talent on the Essendon list for Clarkson to come in and do what he likes to do or what he liked to do in the back half of his Hawthorne career and that's uh, take over most of the uh, list management side of things um, as a coach and just handpick the players he wants to bring to his football club. So, you know, maybe that's Tom Mitchell and, and, and Chad Wingard and we can get a couple of picks out of Dodoro that way and we can have a, a little fist pump moment at the draft table. But, um, yeah, if I had a choice, I'd like to see him um, coach at North Melbourne. I think he'll coach at Essendon. 
Don't forget, if you've got a view on this, please uh, raise your hand to speak. We've got a few minutes to go. We'd love to hear some other views. Uh, we see what will he do? What should he do? Well, I find it really interesting. Actually, um, there's a tweet, a good tweet from you know friend of the Hawthorne Football Club, Ronnie Lerner, during the day, um, where, and with Michael Hurley retiring, I think Essendon only have three on their list over 28 years old, and one of them's Dyson Heppel, who may or may not be there. So, I actually think they're so much further away. And, uh, yeah, I mean, at the start of the year, speaking with Ronnie, actually, you know, he was very bullish about top four, as, as a lot of people were. They're still so far away. Obviously, North are as well. So um, uh, what I find interesting is all of the talk 12 months ago about how he can walk into a team that's ready to win a flag and just make the tweaks needed and win another premiership. And I think we mentioned it last week. All of a sudden, you know, this media circus is over which of the cellar dwellers, the only couple that are available to him is going to coach. So um, I think he'll I, I think he'll be great for either club. I don't think it would result in ultimate success for him. I, I think he'll end up at North Melbourne. I'm leaning 52-48 uh, that he's going to go to um, Essendon. I thought it was really telling last year when he, after he finished at Hawthorne, and you know, there was talk about Carlton Collingwood, and he said, I would love to coach. You know, the idea of going to one of these really big clubs and coach them has a, it has great appeal, but the circumstances aren't right for me at the moment, which is he promised to take 12 months away. Um, well, there's four big clubs in Melbourne. Sadly, Hawthorne's not one of them. Uh, Richmond's not happening anytime soon. Carlton Collingwood now taken. Essendon, uh, for all its foibles, is the fourth club. So I think Clarkson will find it very hard to resist Anzac Day and Dreamtime. You can forget that silly country game that Sheedy came up with. I think that uh, David Barham, the incoming president of Essendon, who I've had a bit to do with over the journey, is a very persuasive uh, gentleman and I think he will paint a picture for Clarkson, I think that Clarkson uh, will go in there and um, there will, uh, Kevin Sheedy will be off the board. I think if he goes there, that Agent Dodoro will soon be put out to pasture. Um, that, that There'll be preconditions for Clarkson. I think Barham will be happy to meet to get rid of a couple of people and even a couple of other people who hang around the footy club, such as Mark Harvey and one or two others, I think will be also shown the door. Clarkson We'll be able to bring his own people into a variety of positions and shape Essendon. I think, to be honest, it's probably a bit more up yours towards Hawthorne if he was to go to Essendon as well. Um, well, question North... for you on that, Ash. Where would Clarkson wearing a Bombers jacket <laughs> rate for you compared to the Hodges and Virtuals in Lions, Lewis in Melbourne, Buddy in Swans? Uh, All right, well, I'm a bit older than you. Um, I uh, saw Lee Matthews wearing the Collingwood uh, polo. I saw John Kennedy wearing North Melbourne gear. So I've seen it happen. And David Parkin in Carlton gear. I've been there. I've done that. I've seen so it So what all. are the emotions for you thinking about our greatest coaching Essendon? Um, oh, well, I think to, as, a, as a Hawthorne supporter, it'd be hard to deal with. As a football journalist, uh, it'll be fantastic. It, it, it breeds new life. And it'll elevate the Hawthorne Essendon, right? I mean, rest assured that uh, with uh, more Thursday night games to fill next year, you can rest assured that Hawthorne Essendon will be a primetime game. Round year. one next year, Friday night, Essendon Hawthorne at the MCG. It will be Channel 7's... Just... Channel 7's list of games for next year, or Hawthorne Essendon will be up near the very top, the first one. Uh, hopefully the MCG as well. Instead of that's with, uh, with Jack Gunston lining up at centre-half forward in the red and black. Well, whatever, whatever. But I have no I have no, I have no worries. I have no worries about Clarkson going to Essendon in a way. Essendon having to reach out to yet another Hawthorne person. They had to get Ian Robinson in to try and fix their admin at one stage. Essendon reaching out to, yet a, to a Hawthorne great to fix their club. Uh, there's a sense of satisfaction at all. It'll be great for football. 
I'm totally comfortable with what the direction Hawthorne's going. They did the right thing. Clarkson didn't coach particularly well these last few years, and let's, none of us have mentioned that. that really, uh, he wasn't at his best those last few years. But if you, if you go to North Melbourne, there's great romance. Well, it's a very tough decision for him. It sounds like he and Sonia Hood have built a very uh, good rapport very quickly. Um, but North have got issues as well. For all the, the North, he's got no list manager. He's got uh, one or two recruiting staff short as well. And he's going to, to steal himself for a very long rebuild. It's a rebuild that's going to be every bit as slow and painful as it was at Hawthorne. And he won't, uh, it'll take him longer than the four years at Hawthorne to win a flag. You would think there's a few building blocks there. Um, I mean, certainly Horn Francis stays if Clarkson, he'll, he'll sign for another two years. The minute Clarkson signs on, I think. Um, he's got uh, Simpkin and Davis Uniaki and Larky and one or two others, uh, Harry, uh, Ben Mackay. So he's got some building Taran blocks. Thomas. It's Aaron Thomas. He's got some building blocks in place at North. But he's got, to wait, he's got to look at himself. And this weekend's a perfect example, guys. That, you know, Essendon Richmond, even though it's a dead rubber for Essendon, there'll still be, what, 60,000 people at the MCG on Saturday night? North and Gold Coast on Sunday at Marvel. What's the crowd going to be, Brad? 60. North it's and Gold Coast? 60 I reckon they'll get, they'll be under 10,000. Exactly. Uh, the AFL will, as we've seen often, oh, yeah, fudge, we'll fudge the figures to make it look like there's about Twelve thousand, but they'll be lucky to get ten thousand. Yeah. That's what he's got to do. And I think his ego, Clarkson, is here's his chance to mix. You know, he's looking at Carlton Collingwood, a breathing. Uh, you know, the Carlton Collingwood are coming alive again. Richmond's not going anywhere. Geelong's a big club. He knows in the back of his mind that Sam's going to lift Hawthorne up in the next couple of years. I think his ego is going to deliver him to Essendon. It might but, break north if Clarkson. Oh, but it'll them, break. Well, I. I've got a bit of faith. I think that uh, Sonia Hood's a pretty bright spark, but they're certainly if it'll break north if they can't convince a a Leon Cameron who'd be a fallback. If they can't convince Hinkley or Ross Lyon to go north, if they're stuck with yet another assistant coach, yeah, the cupboard's pretty bare. It's going to be. It could Is break Adam north. Simpson a chance to leave uh, the Eagles? Well, no, I don't think so. He's pretty steadfast. I mean, again, he looks. He's got. He's built a great. Life for himself in Perth, and West Coast's his, West Coast history is that they rebound very quickly. Now this might be a slower rebuild and a slower rebound, but West Coast doesn't spend too long down the bottom. So, um, and I think he's at a stage where he's got kids in Perth and they're quite settled. So I think it'd be a big thing for him to pack up and move back here. So I think that yeah, it'll it'll might break a few hearts at North Melbourne, but I just can't see him can't see Clarkson saying no to Essendon. And I just think there's too much in play for him. But I've spoken to him. It's, it's everyone's favourite subject today and talking to a few other uh, sort of footy people that I know. Many of them think it will be that he will actually surprise everyone and go to North. Before we finish up, you, you soccer people put this on the uh, on the uh, run sheet. Sam Mitchell, Optisport Video. Take it away. Yeah, well, Prinzi and I, and Daz actually, uh, had... Uh, a bit of a laugh watching uh, and, and a, a bit of back and forward comments watching uh, Sam Mitchell and his Optus Sport. Uh, it was about an eight-minute feature, wasn't it, Prinzy? And a, a good um, a good chat with Sam Mitchell, and we learn a bit out of it. Um, one is maybe you'll that... maybe you'll put the link on the Hawks Insiders Twitter feed after after finished. For sure, we can repost it. Um, one thing that, especially when he was playing, he was. Big into fantasy Premier League, into into fantasy EPL, um, and spent three years in a row uh, in the top five thousand, which was absolutely incredible. Um, but the other thing, which was really interesting, um, I think we we found a bit of a, a chink in the armor because you know he's a perennial winner. Everything he's ever done, um, y- you know, he's got to be the best at, and to to find out that. In fact, as a as a Tottenham supporter, he's somewhat of a perennial loser. Um, yeah, that uh, he he maybe came down a few a few rungs in in calculations for you know what he's all about, Prinzy. Yeah, look, I think it just proves that no one's perfect, right? Like, uh, you know, um, we we all we all have our flaws, and Sam Mitchell's no different. But um, but it was really cool to see 
you know, from somebody who comes from a, a family with a soccer background, um, you know, somebody that I've always rated as one of my all-time favourite players has a, a real passion for something outside of footy as well. And I think you see it now uh, probably more and more with uh, most footy players. They love um, the American sports, uh, NFL and NBA and, and that sort of thing. Um, but really cool to see how passionate he was and how invested he was in the Premier League and Tottenham and um, Fantasy Premier League and all that sort of stuff. So it was just a really nice little insight into Sam Mitchell away from the Hawthorne Footy Club and um, and just a few of his passions on the side, which is really cool. It was yeah. great as well. Just quickly, I mean, he mentioned that when he was a player, he had so much time. Like he spent so much time on it, watching, doing his team. Um, but as a as a coach, and as he's moved into coaching, uh, he he's let that go because obviously he's spending so much time on everything else. So that was pretty interesting too. There was he he went to I do know that he went to a game. Spurs a few years back, Spurs played in Europe and he went as a fan and he actually did the, the trip with the Tottenham supporters group to a tie in Europe a few years back. I don't know whether he was in Europe already and he just spent the few days going to the game or he went specifically from Australia to a game. But he's, Tot- done the, he's done the entire... Tottenham he's in done Europe? The... It must have been a pre-season friendly. <laughs> Well, I, I, I don't know. Brad and I are going to talk NFL next week just to shut you two up. But um, he's done the away support for Tottenham and he travelled with the fans to a game somewhere on the continent. So I don't know, remember where. I remember, do remember reading about it a few years back. Anyway, back to uh, the footy. The season finishes. one ten Sunday. Hawthorne is the first game of what is a fantastic day of football. Three games that mean so much the final makeup of the eight into Carlton Collingwood into Sydney St Kilda. The shame is this game doesn't start half an hour earlier, so it's finished before the Carlton Collingwood game starts, which means a very busy last quarter as we as we watch try and watch two games at once. Hawthorne have brought Howe, Saunders, Callow, Lynch, and Long into their squad. Kaziski omitted, and he is at the crossroads a little bit. Jarman Impey injured. Maybe we need to cut him from slack. He's been playing through a bit of duress. It looks like, um, and certainly the way Sam Mitchell talked him up. Uh, he's looking forward to having him back next year. The Dogs, interestingly, of their four players coming in so far, two of them are Hawthorne players. Or two, one is a dual premiership player, Talon Jaray, and Tim Glimpses O'Brien is as well, both named on their extended bench. So Hawthorne bench, Shields, Callow, Jacker, Lynch, Howe, Long, Sarong, Saunders. That's eight players, yes. Uh, Brad, who will the four be? It's a tough one. Uh, Jekka will definitely play. Sarong, I know he kicked a goal last week. He only had the four touches. So I think he's probably going to go out. Callow, they might give a farewell game being in Tassie, his hometown. I don't think he's going to be on our list next year. Uh, Prinzi reckons Saunders will get a debut and Dan Howe won't play. But Howe was more or less best on ground for Box Hill, one of the best on ground last week. I think he'll come in and audition to hopefully, you know, another club to pick him up. I as well don't think he's going to be on our list next year. Shields is another one. Shields won't be on our list uh, next year. Uh, Long, I'd love to see play, but I think Saunders deserves a debut in front of Long. So um, I reckon uh, the final four will be Jecker, Howe, Lynch, I think, will play. And hopefully Saunders. Well, they'll certainly play one of uh, someone's going to be the so they're, they're lacking a bit of height there. So it's either Lynch or Callow surely plays. Um, yeah, well, look, uh, looking at it, particularly seen, with because this yeah. is going out of the team. Yeah, and Lynch played the last two for Box Hill. Uh, I'm pretty sure, and it's just whether or not I think we need to get to the bottom of does he have to play a certain amount of games in order to be. Uh, eligible to play in the VFL finals because we'll know on Saturday, obviously playing Sydney at Box Hill Oval. Prinzi and Daz will be there to represent us. But, yeah, the final team is going to be an interesting one. I think it's going to be a hard game to watch on Sunday with the Dogs playing to keep their season alive. And I think Hawks have checked out. So hopefully it's windy and rainy, so it's a close game. 
And speaking of checking out, Ash, in this week's episode of Who Will They Name at Zen Half Forward, uh, the biggest nightmare scenario, Connor Nash has been taken out of the midfield and put back up forward yeah. named at Zen Half Forward. So nice little one to go out on this week. The scene actually looks more like on paper that it could actually line up than any team they've picked for about the past uh, six to eight weeks. Anybody game enough to pick the Hawks? No. Nope. Oh. Absolutely not. Ben McAvoy's last game. It's a very conflicting one because uh, many of us absolutely despise the Carlton Football Club. And uh, if the Bulldogs win, it uh, increases the chances of Carlton not playing finals. So I'll be very neutral this weekend. That has been the spaces. Any last words from anyone? Do I cut anyone off? No? Okay. That has been the spaces this week. Next week, we're going to come back and wrap up the. Bulldogs game, set the scene for a busy off-season, preview the Box Hill finals and preview the AFLW season. So we'll have a very packed spaces next week. We'll probably take a week off after that for uh, Thursday night being the first final. I'll be at the footy and uh, I don't think we'll be doing one against that. Plan is probably do fortnightly or so through September and then we will be back with fairly regular spaces based on last year and the demand for it will have fairly regular spaces, I think, for the, at least the first part of October while there is all the trade and free agency um, discussions and machinations and movements happening. So we know for Hawthorne, as Brad has said a couple of times, he's 100% right, the season really does start now for Hawthorne and we want to be all over it. So thank you, everybody, support of Hawks Insiders, $5 a month, $50 for the year. As you know, we'll have great content coming at you right through the off-season, which sadly for the Hawks starts at 4, a, 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Will you see any more housekeeping before we finish up? No, that's it. Just enjoy watching some of the kids go round one more time for the one season. One more time for the season. And then we'll be into the fun and games from if, Monday. If you see Brad, if you see Danny or Darren at Box Hill on Saturday, don't forget to scone them on the head with a footy with your Sharon during your halftime kick to kick on behalf of us. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you again next week on Hawks Insiders. Thanks and good night.